0: The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Well, good morning, church, and welcome to everyone who's tuned in uh, to join us this morning. My name is Dave Barton. I serve on the board here at White Ridge Baptist Church. And uh, I wanna thank Kevin and the worship team for leading us so well this morning, and uh, especially that last song, Sovereign God. I don't know if, if everyone knows this. That's a song that Kevin wrote a few years ago And it's had special meaning to my wife, Lorraine, and I. And it so well summarizes what I'm going to share with you this morning. So last night, uh, we received a call from Pastor Terry to let us know about Pat's mom passing away. And he had been prepared to preach this morning, but under the circumstances, uh, he asked me if I'd share a few words from the board and thought maybe I'd have an update on uh, what's been going on in the church that I could bring you up to date and maybe give a, a short devotional. So my initial thoughts on that was um, I might focus on the changes we've experienced at White Ridge Baptist, how we're coping with all of these changes that we're facing. I also thought about the fact that life goes on during a pandemic. And when I say that life goes on, we need to acknowledge that death is a part of living in this world and that grieving is a part of loving. We grieve deeply the loss of those who we love dearly. You've already heard about Pat losing her mom, Ruby Wilson recently lost her mom, and Glenn losing his brother, and we've had many other losses recently amongst our congregation. And so we are suffering loss, um, each one of us in different ways, and grieving the loss of loved ones. And then I also thought about there are other changes that we're all experiencing in how we're living our lives at this current time, Uh, and just some, some thoughts Uh, So a show of hands, who out there has experienced a pandemic before? This is not your first pandemic. I don't see too many hands. I think for most of us, this is hopefully a once and only in a lifetime experience. And we're going through so many things that are are strange to us. Who knew a month and a half ago what self-isolation was? Or that we needed to be social distancing or physically distancing from one another? Who knew how often or how long we had to wash our hands? Uh, in order to to make sure that they're clean? And what about masks and gloves? And we're still hearing changes about about that. I won't get into that, but how do we protect ourselves from this virus? How do we maintain our physical health? And then in the terms of dealing with this, what sort of mental health issues are being dealt with, emotional issues, spiritual issues? And then I thought about all the different people that are impacted, our frontline healthcare workers, And in so many cities in this country and around the world, they're being run into the ground and putting their lives at risk to help others. And I think we've experienced a greater appreciation for those in the healthcare industry. And essential services. I think many of us, our thoughts have changed on what an essential service is, and how we get our groceries, and how goods are transported, and uh, cleanliness. So many things that we have taken for granted, we now pay special attention to. Homeschooling has taken on a new meaning. Teleworking, working from home, has become the norm for many of us. A lot of, a lot of us have uncertainty about our jobs. we are either been laid off or or we're on uh, waiting to be called back to work, or we don't know if there will be a job in our future. Business owners are wondering, can they pay the rent? Can I can I can I survive this isolation that's keeping me from running my business. There's so much uncertainty. And then just things like social interaction where we don't shake hands, we don't hug each other. Uh, We need to keep that distance. We can't gather together in large family gatherings. We can't fill this auditorium on a Sunday morning. We can't even gather together for a prayer meeting or a Bible study. We can't go out for coffee. There are just so many things that uh, have changed. And how are we adjusting and adapting to that? And then in our society, entertainment is a big deal. When NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball were canceled, that was a big impact on many of us because we follow those sports. That's part of our, our being is to follow those sports or to go to a movie theater or to go to a concert. All of these things have been put on hold. What's the impact of that? And even going out shopping. Uh, we don't go shopping. We're, we, we take it seriously. We don't just say, well, I'm going to the grocery store. You go, okay, do I need to put a mask and gloves on? How many people are there? How long is the lineup outside to get in? When I get in, I've got to follow those one-way arrows up and down the aisles. I've got to keep my six feet distance from everyone. How am I protecting the cashiers and the people who are working in in that store. So a lot of different random thoughts and I said how am I going to bring this all together? I don't want to be rambling this morning I want to to be able to share all of this in a way that makes sense and the first thing I arrived at was living during a pandemic. How are we supposed to live? How are we as Christians supposed to live? How do we as a church function in this changed society? And I went to the scripture because that's where you find answers. And I found the Apostle Paul, and these are just a few. He's got a lot of great quotes about how we should live as Christians. And the Apostle Paul uh, in Galatians 3.11 tells us that the righteous will live by faith. I'm gonna give you a few quotes and, and we'll let them sink in because it's just to get us set up. Later in the same letter, Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Wow, what what does Christ lives in me? Think about that. In Philippians 1.21, he says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So not only a different focus on living, but a different focus on dying. And I think he sums it up best in Ephesians 2.10, when he says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I sum this up for us as Christians to say that we're called to share Jesus. Because that's what we're doing when we demonstrate His love through our good deeds towards one another. If we look at our purpose as a church, White Ridge Baptist Church, we say that we seek to honor God by making disciples at home and around the world. We seek to accomplish this through building and sustaining healthy relationships on a number of levels. So how do we build and sustain relationships through a period of self-isolation and physical distancing? Well, we've been living and learning this for the past five weeks. Just reflecting back, March 13th is a date that I'm going to remember for a long time not just because it was Friday the 13th, but that was the day I think the pandemic hit very close to home for many of us, including myself. That was the day where I spent a very busy day at work trying to figure out how I was going to have my section do their work from home, to have the minimum number of people at work that we could possibly do, how we could connect electronically, how we could have meetings online, This was all compressed into that Friday. At the end of the day, I realized that Pastor Kevin had been trying to contact me to say, how is this going to impact the church? And to put this in context, the Bolivia team was still down in Bolivia. Pastor Terry, our lead pastor, was in Bolivia. So Pastor Kevin Clausen was carrying the ball here, and he was looking to consult with me. So uh, that evening, we set up an online meeting, a teleconference, with the rest of the board members. And we discussed this and said, what does this look like for White Ridge Baptist Church moving forward? And that evening, we made the decision to go live stream that Sunday. Friday night, we made a decision that Sunday morning we were going live stream, and we've been doing that ever since. It was very busy the next few days, as we looked at it. At that time, uh, it was only large gatherings we couldn't have. So we said, look, let's, let's continue to have our life groups, let's continue to have our Bible studies, and within the space of a few days, the realization hit that that was going to be changing as well. And so there's been a lot of work uh, over, the fir- over that period of time. That was five weeks ago. Five weeks ago today, I stood here and explained that decision and uh, said this is the way going forward. Since then, we have connected our life groups online, we have the staff are able to, uh, to meet on Microsoft Teams, the board meeting, can happen on on that same platform. Many of our small groups, our life groups, our Bible studies, our prayer groups are all meeting on Zoom or other online platforms. And if you wanna be connected, I'm gonna come back to this, go to our website and find if there are still ways to be connected, even if we can't connect physically, we are connecting virtually. And I thank God that we have that technology and we have the people who are helping us to understand and apply that technology. Another thing I wanted to mention is the deacons have developed a contact list and they've been following up on a weekly basis to ensure that everyone stays connected. So if you're feeling disconnected, again, go on the website, call the church office and say, I'd like to have a phone call once in a while. And I'd like to be connected with someone in the church. I'd like to be connected with a deacon or I'd like to talk to one of the staff. So I talked about relationships. Our our aim is to influence this world through healthy relationships. And they're only established when we make a personal connection. And that personal connection is only real when it has the foundation of love. So we have relationships with people with whom we have a personal and lasting connection. And that connection must have love as its foundation if it's going to survive any time or trial or difficulty. So I, as I was searching through skip, Scripture to, to help me focus all of this, I landed on Romans 12, 9 to 13. So if you have your Bibles at home, I'd ask you to turn to Romans 12. And I also want to encourage you, if you're isolated at home, and you're running out of things to watch on Netflix, and you're running out of table games to play, and you've done all your puzzles, even if you haven't, get into your Bible. If you're looking for answers, this book of books has the answers. And I just want to share a little bit with you today from Romans 12. I'm going to read verses 9 through 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. And as I read that, verse 12 spoke to me and said, you've got three points in there to preach on. I wasn't called to preach, I was just going to share a devotional. Uh, But this is what I feel called to share, is verse 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So at first one, be joyful in hope. As Christians, we're not called to find our source of joy in any of our circumstances, in wealth, power, even in our personal relationships. These can all be good, and they can all bring some level of happiness and contentment. But true joy comes only through our relationship with God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. Last weekend we were reminded of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, his death on Good Friday, his resurrection on Easter Sunday. These are reasons for our hope in him. And this hope has been sealed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So Christ died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again, he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And we have been given the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity of God, to indwell us so that we can say with Paul, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. That is our hope. Hope is built on reasonable expectation. Hope is not some, oh, I really hope that'll come. No, it's built on some evidence. It's built on some reasoning. For example, in Canada, we hope that we'll not be as severely impacted by COVID-19 as some other countries have. And so far, we haven't. and and we have reason for that hope because of what we're practicing in this country and we need to continue being careful not to spread that disease. Even in Canada, we hope that here in Manitoba we might have flattened the curve and that it won't spike to greater numbers as it has in other provinces. As a church, we have a hope that one day soon we'll be worshipping together. We don't know when that will be, but we have that expectation That someday things will be back to a new normal, such that these seats will be filled. Pat and Ruby have the hope of seeing their moms again one day in heaven. And that also is founded in reason and fact. All of us have Christians, as sorry, as Christians have the hope, and I would say the assurance that we've been adopted as children of God and that we will spend eternity with Him. So knowing the reason for our hope creates joy in our soul. Knowing the end from the beginning, knowing that God is in control, God is sovereign, and God loves us. Even in the midst of trials, we can know the joy of that relationship with God. The, the Apostle Peter refers to this as a living hope. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's a reminder that the joy of Easter Sunday is ours today, and tomorrow, and throughout eternity. So the second point is patient in affliction. This is where it gets a little harder. You know, Jesus reminds us that we will all endure affliction. And affliction means we're having difficulties, we're having troubles, we're suffering, we may be persecuted. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And this goes back to the first point. These all end up interconnected. We're patient in affliction because we have the joy of that hope. We have the peace of a God who has promised us and is faithful to his promise. James 1 Verses 2 to 4, James says, Consider it pure joy. Back to joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we're to take joy during the toughest trials, not because of them, not in spite of them, but almost separate from them, that we have the joy of enduring and knowing that God will carry us through. And the other point here is he says, do you know the testing of your faith? True faith is only proven when it's tested. How do we know we believe something? Well, when that belief is tested and we have to fight for it, then we know it's a true belief. And our faith is often tempted by trials or afflictions of various kinds. And when our faith is tested and found to be solid, It will produce perseverance. So remember that patience, being patient in affliction, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. We learned that in Galatians. The fruit of the Holy Spirit includes patience. We don't do this on our own strength. I can decide to be patient, but only the Holy Spirit can produce in me the patience to endure affliction, to maintain my faith through the toughest of trials, and to come out the other end stronger to persevere. So as we persevere in our faith, we become more mature. And we become more certain of the hope that we have in Christ and our joy increases. You think about this, maturity comes through experience. That's in every realm. Right? How do we build up our physical body? We kind of punish it, right? You have to, no pain, no gain. Whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. So we train our body to be stronger and to be more mature. And uh, even in nature, you've probably heard that trees that are regularly buffeted by strong winds grow deep roots and are strong when the storms of life come. Those that are not tested, when a hard trial comes, topple over. So it's the same with us in our faith. If our faith isn't tested, if we have that shallow faith, we won't stand firm when the trials come. But if we have that hope that gives us the joy, the hope of knowing our salvation, that's where our strength comes from. And it's through the trials that that faith is tested and strength is built up, and we become more mature as believers. So if you're a Christian and you want to become more mature, you should expect to endure trials. And if we want to grow as a church, I believe we must be prepared to face adversity. And the last point: faithful in prayer. In Luke 18, 1-8, Jesus provides a parable about persistent prayer. I'm not going to read it for you. Take your time. It's about the widow who goes to the judge and and asks, and finally she gets her petition just because she was so persistent. And why did Jesus tell that story to his disciples? He told them before he told the story, he said, to show them that they should always pray and never give up. God wants us to be persistent in prayer. And what's prayer? It's engaging in a conversation with our Heavenly Father. It's God wanting to communicate with us and wanting us to communicate with Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 tells us to pray without ceasing. Never give up praying. I believe prayer is the fuel that fires the engine of our faith. How can we have faith in someone who we don't have a relationship with? And if we want relationship with God, we need to connect with Him. How often do you communicate with your closest friends, your best friends? If we want Jesus to be our closest friend, we need to spend time with him. One of the wonderful truths about prayer is that it does not require technology. We can pray to God in the quietness of our heart, wherever we are, that's how we can pray without ceasing. We can be talking to God while we're driving the car, while we're sitting at work, while we're at home, while we're out walking. God is always with us, God always hears us, and God always desires to communicate with us. As a church, we pray for one another, and there is something special about gathering together in prayer. And I thank God that we've been able to continue this through the technology that has enabled us to keep having our Come to the Quiet online. It enables us to phone in after the service, and we'll put the phone number up again at the end of the service and encourage anyone who would like to pray or have someone pray with you or for you Call that number, and through the week, don't. It's not just for Sunday morning. Call the office, contact one of us through email or the or the on uh, the website, and say I'd like you to pray for this. We have a prayer wall on our website. You can post something on there and say I'm experiencing something. I, I want. Could you pray for this? I've got a praise item. Even praise the Lord for this and share that with us on the prayer wall. It's a wonderful resource for us to continue corporately in praying for one another. So as I've said, these all tie together. If we're faithful in prayer, we're going to have the strength of our faith to be patient when trials come. If we persevere through that affliction, we're going to experience the joy of having that deep relationship with Jesus. All of that is going to help us to mature as individuals. And as we do that together, and as we encourage one another he will continue to grow us as a church. And I'm not just talking about more people coming in, I'm talking about us individually growing more Christ-like. Christ in me, me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want to end this world saying that I live my life as Christ had me live it. I allowed him to influence my thoughts and my behavior to be like him and not my own selfish ambitions. How can we apply this to our communities? Our community needs hope, and there are different ways that we can offer hope, but the true hope comes in our salvation and our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We have, a, I think, special opportunity right now to share that. I'm sure there are some of you listening in right now that have never been in this church building. Maybe would be shy to come in the building, would be worried about interacting with people, but in the comfort and safety of your own home, you're listening in, you're hearing the great worship songs that the worship team is singing. You're hearing God's word as I share it with you. We have opportunity to reach out and connect virtually like we never have in the history of the, of the world. And this pandemic comes at a time where we can leverage that technology for the good of God and to share his love with others. And I can tell you that we as the board and as the staff are looking at ways we can further use this technology to reach out, to meet the needs of our congregation, to meet the needs of our community, and if any of you have ideas on how we could do that, how we should do that, I would encourage you to contact myself, one of the board members, one of the staff, and let us know your thoughts on how we could be serving you and serving the community more efficiently. I'm going to leave you with a few questions based on those three points. Do you have hope that brings joy? Do you have hope that brings joy? Would you like to have assurance of a living hope that brings joy regardless of your circumstances? If you don't have that relationship with the Lord, call that number after. Call one of the staff through the week. Reach out to to someone who you think knows the Lord and ask them to share that with you. Are you afflicted? Are you enduring patiently? I think I think we're all afflicted to some measure right now. Are we enduring patiently or are we getting impatient? We want to get back to work, we want to Not that that's a bad thing, but are we being patient for God's timing, for how this will play out? Do you have a source of strength to see you through life's troubles? What's the source of your strength? If you have Jesus as your source of strength, he is the rock upon which you can lay all of your troubles. Are you praying faithfully? Especially Christians, we need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for our congregation, for our community, for our province and our country, for this world, that they would be healed physically, but also that they would be healed spiritually. And do you need someone to partner with you in prayer? Do you need someone, you need that connection of sharing your prayer with someone, or having someone pray for you, please reach out. Call this number that will be up at the end of the service. And I'd ask you now to join me in prayer. I'm going to, uh, as briefly as I can, I've got a lot of prayer requests that I want to share. I'm just going to pray through them. I would encourage you in the quietness of your heart and the comfort of your own home to meditate on this, to, 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 to pray for those who you feel led to pray for. Uh, I'm just going to lead us in prayer now and then Kevin and the worship team will come and and, uh, close us in some more worship songs. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you that you love each and every one of us, that you want relationship with each and every one of us. I thank you that you have given us such gifted and godly staff that uh, all of our pastors have stepped up and, and found ways to leverage technology, to stay connected with people, to lead us well. We are so grateful for e- each and every one of our pastors and staff members. I thank you for, for the board, and we're meeting this Tuesday. Father, I pray that you would guide us in our discussions, you'd help us to focus on those things of most importance, and that ultimately, and always, everything that we do in our leadership would be to your glory and to your honor. I thank you for the deacons. I thank you for the compassion and the heart and the dedication of each and every one of them as they continue to reach out and see needs and meet needs of our congregation and within our community. We have so many other leaders, Lord, I just pray for all of them, those who are leading life group studies, those who are leading Bible studies, leading prayer time, those who are providing tech support for the services and all of these online meetings, for uh, people who look after the facilities, people who look after our finances, I thank you for the diligence that they have shown in in, uh, shepherding the budget and expenditures. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of our congregation, that you have blessed us richly and that we have in turn Shared and stewarded those finances to ensure that the work of your local church continues on, even during this pandemic. I thank you that you've given us opportunities as Christians and as a church. It's often in times of trouble that people are looking for answers, and you know, God, that we have the ultimate answers. We have the ultimate answer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have the way and the truth and the life to share with the world. I pray that we would be bold and yet loving in, how, in being able to share that with others. And I thank you for the opportunities you've given us as a church, that we're reaching people in ways that uh, we hadn't in the past and that you're enabling us to keep connected. I pray also for all of those who are elderly, who are shut in, people who are single, who are isolating on their own, I pray for families who are dealing with the stress of maybe having too many people in the house at once, uh, parents trying to work from home while children try to study, uh, all of the family dynamics that come into play when, when we're somewhat confined. I pray for our friends and our neighbors. I pray for Kevin and Jill, as they've shared a few weeks ago, that God is calling them on to a new opportunity, and we want to send them with our blessing and and continue to pray for them, that you would continue to use them in this new place, in this new way that you have called them, and uh, guide us in finding someone to to take leadership of the youth and, and student ministries this fall. I pray for Pat and Ruby and Glenn, anyone else who's lost a loved one recently, pray for them and their families. We thank you that both Pat and Ruby were able to spend some time with their moms before their passing, and I know that was such a blessing to each of them. Thank you, Father, for your presence, for your sovereignty, and for your love. And we ask your blessing upon the remainder of our service and in the week ahead, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord God, we give you all of the praise. Thank you for meeting us here this morning. And I thank you that you are the hope that gives us joy. And you are the solid hope that we can count on. And I thank you that when we pray to you, like this time of prayer we just had with Dave, I thank you that we can come into your presence confidently and know that you hear us and that you love us and that you will for us to grow closer to you and you have the ability to do it because you are all powerful. I thank you, Lord, that that is always true and I pray that you would continue to encourage us with the truth of those words and I pray that you would bless us the rest of this day for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.